out, everyone, and welcome to the Hand in Hand Show, a part of Stroke Focus. Today, we're going to be talking with Lon, who is with Traveling Caregivers, a grassroots, hope-based organization that's bridging a gap between self-care while navigating a multitude of caregiving concerns with a holistic lifestyle and advocacy. Dawn Renee is the founder of Traveling Caregivers, a holistic caregiver. Reiki Energy, and she's going to have to explain this other one because I'm going to say a Ravetic practitioner and struggled for most of her life to understand the triggers that were causing her to experience migraines, allergies, endometriosis, autoimmune disorder, diabetes, type 2, Lyme disease, Epstein-Barr, mold exposure, gallstones, and chronic fatigue. So Dawn, welcome to the show. So, tell me some more about how this came about. Ayurvedic. Ayurvedic is uh, basically Indians in India. They use it as their methodology of healing. It's, it's healing from a holistic perspective, body, mind, spirit. We're all made of a certain constitution. The foods we eat have a certain constitution. The air that we breathe, it, you know, it might be sticky, it might be humid, it might be cold, it might be... It might be dry. All of these things are elements of uh, Ayurvedic and natural things that affect us as well because we all work together with all of these things. So identifying how your body is and who you are underneath all of the stuff that's going on and how you relate to all the stuff that's happening in nature, it can be a huge healer and help you figure out stuff that might be triggering issues or might be helping you to heal. How did you decide to? start this? And well, um, it started with myself, my own personal journey. Yeah, absolutely. I was sick for a long time. As you can hear, I've, I've been struggling with all kinds of issues since I was a child. And they just kept compounding and compounding and compounding. And, and it didn't seem like I was figuring out what was causing everything. And it just kept getting worse. And 10 years ago, I ended up in my bed, not able to move. My husband had to carry me to the bathroom. He had to carry me to the doctor. He had to carry me everywhere I needed to go if I needed to go somewhere. I just did not have the the body strength to carry my own weight anymore. I had gotten myself to a place that I was um, just devastated with the ailments that I was faced with. And so after living a month, 30 days, exactly 30 days in a bed, not able to stand up, and uh, I decided to change my life. I decided to get deeper. I basically removed everything, all food, went out of my life. I said no more meat, no more of what I'm doing, no more processed foods, no more anything that I feel could be potentially hurting me. And in order to figure out what was hurting me, I had to eliminate everything and then kind of start over. So when we did that, I pared it down to just a couple of shakes a day, and uh, teas. I was doing Ayurvedic teas. And that just means that I'm using herbs, different herbal remedies, and Eastern Indian style herbs that uh, could, that I had identified that might be able to help me get out of my situation. And so, you know, practicing that for 30 days, on the 30th day, I was actually able to stand up. And uh, when I stood up and got my strength back, you know, my first thought was, okay, I'm doing something right because I'm out of the bed now. So now I'm going to keep walking this. And as I was doing that journey, and I, I just realized that I had to pay more attention and be more mindful of the stuff 
that was making me feel good. So, you know, we went from two shakes a day to three shakes a day. And then I slowly started introducing food back in and making notes every time I would eat something, how it made me feel that moment within the next day, within the next couple of days, up to three days. How was the food I was eating? How was it helping me or hurting me? And and really just figuring all that out and caring for myself, um, I realized that if I was going to help anybody, I was going to have to start caring better care of myself. And at that time, I was also working at a health food um, or a health shop. We called it the Health Nut. And basically, we did all kinds of alternative means of, of healing, supplements, herbs, focusing on raw foods, focusing on uh, plant-based living, that kind of way. And people would come in and they would sit with me for like an hour and a half at a time. And we would try to suss out all the stuff that was going on in their lives and bring balance back to them and try to figure out how we could help people get back to balance as I was healing myself. The further I got into my journey and realized that it was working, the more passionate I got about it. And so now 10 years later, being where I'm at right now, not having to deal with as like maybe 10% of the issues, I'm still fighting through the line. But as far as all the other stuff, I have really gotten that stuff under control and been able to manage it through my the way that I've been eating and living my life, reducing those triggers, removing them, detoxing my body, and then rebuilding and recovering and just keep walking into that and every single day. And it's not, an, you don't get to do it overnight. You just have to keep walking and keep trying all the things you're doing. What is it that your company does? Um, well, tra- traveling caregivers, yeah, um, what I decided, because I became a full-time caregiver, so now for five and a half years I've been a full-time caregiver and um, been working with somebody who has ALS and she's in a bed, she's bedridden, and starting that journey with somebody who has got so many things going on and me being an empathic person, the first thing I wanted to do was spend every waking moment with her and take care of everything she could ever need and make sure she didn't have any anxiety and make sure, like I really was trying hard the first two years to the point where once again, I stopped taking care of myself. So when in the beginning when I was sick and I got myself well and I walked myself out of that and I was caring for myself and then I meet somebody who is completely in a place who needs help, who can't care for herself. So I dive in And again, I throw myself out the window and not care about myself anymore and care just about her. And after two years of doing that, I ended up getting sick again. I rebounded into sickness and um, and had to get my, now granted once it happened, I was able to quickly identify what was happening and I was able to get back into it and steer the ship back on course and, you know, start actively practicing more balance in my life. But as I was doing that, I realized that as a caregiver, there are 64 million unpaid caregivers in the country right now. That's 64 million unpaid. And there might even be more now with all of the pandemic and everything that's going on because these were numbers that were done like two years ago. I realized there's a lot of caregivers out there who might have just been thrown into a situation where they didn't really know what they were getting themselves into, hadn't given themselves the permission to also make sure that they balance the care for themselves, that it's just as important to care for yourself as it is to care for the person that you're caring for. Traveling Caregivers came about as a way for me to bring light and hope 
and solutions and resources and support and encouraging, whilst encouraging self-care. Because if we can find a way to self-care for ourselves, then not only will we be better at caring for others, but maybe in effect it will also help us not have the need for so many needing to be cared for because we take a little more time for ourselves. I don't know if that's the truth. I just know for myself that um, that actually worked in my life, and every single day I'm, I'm just super grateful that I realized it. Otherwise, I'd probably still be in a bed, you know. So, so as far as the caregivers go, that is, this is one of the things that I have always preached is you have to take, as a caregiver, you have to take care of yourself. You are first. What then do you do? Do they contact you and you go through what people are going through as being caregivers? Every situation is different, so it really just depends on what people need help with, and I'm, I'm here as a resource for that. I created a Facebook forum on, um, well, on Facebook for caregivers, so if they wanted to come and vent or share their stories or share their experiences or they needed solutions, holistic solutions for stuff that they want to try, uh, they're looking at doing things a little more holistic-minded, um, I'm always uh, available for that. They can reach me on my website or, or my Facebook group and talk to me about that. And um, it's really just helping helping them identify what they think is going to um, make them more successful at what they're doing. And also to give them kind of uh, um, the hope that there is somebody here that, that has gone through uh, the walks of all walks when you're dealing with somebody who's in a bed. You know, there's not, you know, you, you, it's like having a baby. You can't leave the house, you know. You have to make sure there's somebody here. You don't know what situation's going to creep up around the corner. You, you have to be prepared and mentally available and focused on being able to handle those situations. And so um, really just being here for those caregivers and identifying what their needs might be, somewhat like when they used to come in and see me at the store and they'd tell me their whole life story and then we would try to work out where they might be missing balance, you know, where they might be able to find that moment. Yeah. And a lot of it is, is through me expressing my own story and what the, the stuff that I've learned that has helped and seeing if any of that might help them. But everybody has their own recipe. Everybody has their own thing that they need that's going to make them be the most successful at what they're doing and uh, not just for the loved one that they're caring for, but for themselves too. And, you know, giving themselves permissions to have life and being able to live their life and understanding that, you know, while they're going through a challenge with their loved one, that yes, that is the, that is the walk and the journey that your loved one is going through right now. But ultimately that's your loved one's walk and journey. It's not your, I mean, you're, you're a part of it and you're a support and you're here to hold space and be there for them. But ultimately, it doesn't have to be your complete struggle, too. You know, you can have empathy for their struggle, but you don't have to take it on. It's not like, now it's mine and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this with you and I'm going to feel all the pains with you that you're feeling. When What I found with even the lady I work with now is um, she can't speak, but we do a lot of communicating through our eyes. She's consciously there. She's 100% consciously there. If I have a conversation with her, she's engaging with me through her facial expressions and through her eyes, and she's telling me what she wants through that body communication. And um, being able to remain conscious, not only with what your feelings and needs are, 
but remaining conscious with what the feelings and needs are of the person you're caring for. And if you're in a place in your mind that it's chaos, it's stressed, you haven't given yourself the time you need, you're hungry, you're tired, maybe you're lonely, maybe you're angry, maybe you're going through all of these, these feelings, and how can you possibly go into the person you're caring for and hold space for them if you're if you're hung up on all of those things that you haven't even done for yourself yet? It's like, I, I don't know how many times I've said to myself, Oh my gosh, I need to eat. It's been two hours, or no, it's, I was supposed to eat two hours ago. Oh my gosh, I have to stop doing what I'm eat, doing right now and I need to go eat something. Because if I don't, I'm gonna pass out. <laughs> and if I'm passed out on the floor, then what good am I? <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, it's going through all these little mental things in your head and making sure that you're lining up with you. So our alignment, whether it's our body, our mind, our spirit, our energetic being, everything that's inside of us matters, every single component of it. And we have to give it the attention that it's deserving. So that way we can be better for everybody else. Everything you say is really interesting because a lot of people aren't in tune to themselves. What are your top four strategies that you employ daily to assist you? It's funny when you said that it's a daily practice. It is absolutely a daily practice. And I kind of, um, if I let a day go by that I haven't done something on my list, then that means before I go to bed, I have to do at least four things of my list. And my top, well, I'm going to tell you these top four things, and then I'll tell a couple other things that um, I do. But the top four things that I do would be, number one, breathing. Oh my gosh, breathing is so important. But the trouble is, is that a lot of us are shallow breathers. A lot of us, we're running from place to place. And we just take it for granted that this breath thing is just going to happen. And what we don't know is that we hold our breath a lot. You, if, you, if somebody comes to you with news that you're not ready for or you don't want, you might clench, you might hold your breath because you're waiting for the shoe to drop, you know, or how you're going to handle it. And uh, or you're in conversation, and a lot of times people get going. I do it all the time, where I get going. I'm like, okay, Don, breathe, because when we breathe, it slows the parasympathetic down. It helps our mind adjust. It helps everything align with focus and clarity, so that we can have a more focused conversation or thought process. So we can handle when an emergency happens. If the power goes out, you know, how do I handle a power outage? I have to breathe. I have to make sure that I'm breathing because when I'm breathing, it, it, it's like, oh, okay, I need to do this, 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 this. Okay, I'm going to go do all that, and I'm going to keep breathing. So remaining calm and breathing is number one. Number two is uh, water and finding yourself a good source of water. And the thing that I learned is that when you get good quality water and you drink 50% of your body weight in ounces – so if you weigh 100 pounds, you drink 50 ounces of water a day. Your body is made of 72% water. Your emotions are controlled, the water in your body. So if you, if you don't have enough water in your body and you get emotional, then you're not going to um, handle those emotions the same way you would handle those emotions if you had enough water in your body. The other thing it does, too, is it helps with hydration. It helps with detoxification. If you get headaches, tension, uh, flushing the stuff out of your body, assimilating, absorbing all of the foods that you eat. and the douche. You need water for all of that. 
And so making sure you have a good source of water. I personally do uh, either a spring water or we have a filter on our house. We have a whole system on the house now. Because our system takes our minerals out, I actually put minerals back in. So I use something called Concentrace, which is by a company called Trace Minerals. I have no ties to this company. This is just what I've vetted to be a good source of minerals for me. It comes from the Great Lakes. It's called Concentrace. And I put that in my water every day. And then uh, beyond that, we go into number three, which would be nutrition. Focusing on, for me, it's focusing on live food, live body. So live food means fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds. No processed anything because if it's been processed, it's not alive anymore. And my body needs live food. I don't do meat anymore, but that's just because I identified that meat and me do not get along. And meat has been pretty bad in, in my body, so I'm done with meat. That does not say that everybody should feel that way. Again, we have our own recipe, and you need to figure out what works for you. Like I had an allergy to eggs as well. And, but I also discovered that it was where the eggs were coming from. So the eggs that I was traditionally buying were from the grocery store, and they were fed grains, and I'm allergic to gluten. So for some reason, if I eat a grain-fed egg, then I'm going to have an allergic response to that egg. But if I go down to my farmer and I get eggs that are chickens that have been eating nothing but bugs and worms, I don't have the same reaction to the eggs. But I did not know that. It took me years to figure that out. <laughs> so that's paying attention, right? Yeah, it's interesting. I would never have thought about that, but I'm also grain-free and gluten-free. Me too. So, you know. <laughs> Another really crazy thing about eggs. So uh, when I first started taking care of the lady I care for now, ALS is a neurodegenerative disease. So um, you have to be careful with all kinds of neurotoxic foods. So I had to eliminate a lot of foods that could be neurotoxic to her brain. I had to eliminate uh, products from the house. And what we discovered with her is that I had to do a lot of eggs. But what we, how we did it was we didn't cook the yolk. We cooked the white, but we didn't cook the yolk. We left the yolk runny. Because ALS is a neurodegenerative, it, um, the myelin sheath starts to suffer. That's what protects each little cell that's in the brain. And when you have eggs and you eat the yellows loose, you're actually eating what they consider good cholesterol. If you cook it, it becomes bad cholesterol. So what we did for the first year is she had anywhere from 8 to 10 eggs a day. But by doing this, I was able to get her back up out of the bed. And she was able to get strong enough to get out of her bed. And um, she's back in her bed again. Long story short, she had got pneumonia, but and that took her down three years ago and or four years ago now, and she's back in the bed now full time. But but ironically, eggs is what helped us get her back to being fully there in her mind and everything. So and she doesn't have eggs now. Like neither one of us are eating eggs anymore. But during a period of time, it was it was needed. So. Yeah, we went with what we went with what we what we felt was right to do at that time, and right. we change it up based on what our needs are as we grow and evolve. <laughs> that's how that's how Ayurvedic works too. Is working with uh, what is working with you. Number four, the fourth one is activities. So um, the fourth one is kind of uh, it has a lot of it could have a lot of elements to to it because maybe you have a lot of activities that you like to do, but. 
I like to make sure that I at least choose one of those activities every day and that is on my list. So that way I make sure, okay, well, if I'm going to go outside and play in my garden for two hours, I need to make sure that I carve out that time. And it could be 20 minutes here and 20 minutes there and 20 minutes here and 20 minutes there and all spread out throughout the whole day. But I'm going to get in my two hours of being outdoors because I've identified that me playing in the dirt, playing with my garden, is something that brings me so much, so much joy and peace and calm that um, I wish I could do it all the time, but I can't. So I just make sure that I, I put it in there and I balance it in there. The other things I like to do, yoga, meditating, going for walks, uh, walking barefoot in the grass, um, sitting in the grass. I loved just sitting outside and talking to the birds. And, uh, and I know that sounds crazy, but I do. I, I, and I'm pretty sure they talk back. Hey, it's all about you engaging your mind, your mindset. So your mindset into something physically active that gets your body mechanics moving. Because the whole thing about movement, when you can move your body and you get that stagnant energy moving, I like to dance too. So if I'm feeling a little overly stagnant or feeling like things are just kind of in a stuck place, then I might go into my little room and dance it off for a little bit and see if I can shake some of that energy off of me. Because a lot of times energy just jumps onto us and we hold on to it and maybe we started our day in a bad way and that little thing that started our day is with us the entire day and it doesn't go away until we go to sleep and wake up the next day. So finding these little tools to kind of break through and break free from that stuck or that stagnant or feeling like you're not giving yourself what you need, it can make all the difference in your day and in the person that you're taking care of their day. I I do have a couple of things that uh, I think make me happier, and one is wake up every morning and just be grateful. You know, you can wake up and say, oh, heck, you know, I had to wake up, I have to go, you know, and then that's how your day is going to go. Or you can wake up and, as they say, hit the ground running. Now, I don't quite get that far because I'm not a morning, yeah. but, but um, I still wake up and and just like, wow, okay, I woke up. Here we go. I'm having, I'm going to have a good day. And then my day is better. But I think when you wake up and you don't feel like that, your day is not going to be a good day. And I also practice gratitude. So, you know, the first thing is I'm grateful that I woke up because eight years ago I might not have woken up. Exactly, right? There is a method called Wim Hof. That's W-I-M-H-O-F, Wim Hof. And you can get a free guided breathwork tutorial on YouTube. It's free. Uh, Just type in Wim Hof, W-I-M-H-O-F. It's 11 minutes. It's three sets of, of this breath work with this man called Iceman. I don't know what country he's from, but I love him. And um, they've actually done science on it, and they, the science has proven that it absolutely does heal you because what happens is, is when you're oxygenating your body, you're oxygenating all the cells in your body, which actually can help you ward off bacteria and viruses and, and inflammation. It can help your body reduce inflammations drastically. It brings the mental focus and the clarity and all that. It can also help with digestion and detoxification because when you oxygenate your whole entire body and your organs, it gives your body more ability to function properly. 
So I started doing the uh, Wim Hof breath work probably a year ago. And anytime I get a headache, anytime I'm feeling like I'm coming down with something, I just do an extra, I do an extra, you know, 11 minutes of it. And it has worked 100% like a charm for me. Anytime I'm feeling anything, I just do 11 minutes of that breath work. So you're absolutely right about it being a healer. They did a study where they took 164 people and injected, it's going to sound crazy, they injected them with E. coli, and 12 of the people did the breath work, and the rest of the controlled group did not. The 12 people that did the breath work did not experience one instance of the E. coli. It was completely eradicated. The people who did not do the breath work ended up in the hospital and medicated. <laughs> so it just, and this is a proven study. You can go see him talk about it with Russell Brand and with Joe Rogan, and it's all over the internet. You can talk, you can go read that I, study. I want to go back to something else here that I had mentioned when I introduced okay. you Reiki energy. Yes. You want to talk about that one? I don't think we've done that yet. So we're all an energy being. We, we are. We are energy beings. Um, you can put your hands together and pull them apart slowly, and you start to feel a little bit of energy in between your, your palms of your hands. And it's a practice. It's called Qigong. It's about how to raise your own little energy ball and to start recognizing the energy that you emit. But we emit energy outside of our bodies. It's a field that's going out sometimes six feet. There's an energy field that goes outside of us. So you know how when you can walk up to somebody and you might feel this instant, um, oh, this person, I don't know this person, but, man, there's just something about them and I don't know what that is. And it's an energy. You feel this connection to them because of their energy. Like how dogs, when they're introduced to some people, the first person they meet, they might absolutely love, and then the next person, they're just barking their heads off because they can't figure it out. What's, it was all about the energy that that person was representing. You know, in the times when um, you've been in the middle of, an, of, a, of a fight with somebody, there was an energy that happened there, and maybe you didn't go into it fighting, but you might have come out of it fighting because the energy pulled you into the fight. So... There's always this energy that's circling us, inside of us, coming out of us, and affecting everybody. And we have energetic pathways. We have the chakras. We've got seven chakras, and we have 52 meridians. And then I think 365, which is ironic that it all matches up to our calendars, how everything's seven, five, 365. I'm like, well, isn't that ironic? So uh, it just goes to show you how much we are in synchronicity with our energy, with the world, with each other. We all are one energy. We're all vibing on one energy, and that energy gets moved and pulled based on what somebody might say or actions that they might do, and that one little thing could trigger a ripple effect that could cause an energetic response. And so Reiki is about um, being able to channel that energy that's going on in the world and helping people recognize where they might be having a block. So I use Reiki energy to help remove blocks from people's chakras and their zones and their meridians and help them clear those so that maybe they could experience more energy and blood flow to that area because that energy might be stagnant, blocking 
which is going to cause a physical ailment eventually someday. And I didn't realize how much that was playing into my life until just the last few years. I mean, I'd been doing Reiki, but it really didn't click into my brain how it was affecting me um, until really the last couple of years when I started digging deep on emotional stuff I had gone through as a child. And as I started digging deep and seeing how my energy was still attached to those traumatic events, which it manifested in my body as an ailment for me to deal with. So as I'm dealing with myself nutritionally, I also started to realize I had to deal with myself emotionally and energetically so that I could free those pathways so that I could experience healing. Because what was happening was I hadn't identified them, so they were still there as kind of these scars, energetic scars. And those energetic scars created a zone that wasn't allowing the energy or the blood to flow through in the best way that it could. So now that I've identified that, my health has skyrocketed. My energy has skyrocketed. I'm able to identify a lot more things than I was able to in the past because I'm open to it and because I can see it now that it's just plain energy. It's right here. It's all around us. And it's beautiful. (laughs) And I hope everyone has enjoyed our time here with Don Renee. And uh, thank you for listening to Hand in Hand Show and see you on the radio. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Hand in Hand Show. We hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to keep the discussion going, please join Strokes Focus, the social media website dedicated to stroke survivors and caregivers. The website address is https colon backslash backslash www.strokefocus.net. Stroke Focus is S-T-R-O-K-E-F-O-C-U-S. Stroke Focus is a part of Wohala, which in Mandarin means I have survived. If you wish to be a part of the show or would like to be interviewed as part of the show, please contact us at contact at strokefocus.net.